where you talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt uh, this ill-fated episode i know truly cursed 600 to <laughs> record this we tried to record it yesterday the internet cut out at my apartment cut out halfway through and then yeah. all of the files were lost we were like we're gonna record this morning uh then buzzfeed had like like sprung like laid off hundreds of people this morning like <laughs> with not no, you with not me but with no like prior warning just yeah, at 11 a.m everybody at the company got an um, email that was like either congratulations like you've not <laughs> been laid off or like sorry you're being laid off like oh no one gosh. had a warning obviously wow. everybody was pissed off about it because yeah, very twitter-esque well, and it's like right, it's like during the mm-hmm. holidays. So people were like, you couldn't have done this earlier or later. I mean, I'm sort of of the mindset like there's no good way right. to be laid off. Like like no one's ever like, ah, oh, I was laid off and they did it so well. It's like yeah. you're always taken it's always aback. Gonna hurt. And they ha- and it's like the options are they either do it like this where it's like everybody gets an email or they <laughs> do it sort of like slowly and tell you in person. But then you have all of these people sort of just like waiting for hours and hours. Like, will I like what will this meeting say? You know, it's like, hey, listen, we get it. You're a BuzzFeed one. apologist. They kept you in line and we know you're a company. And they man. did everything right. <laughs> They're a perfect company. And I I'm yes, I have nothing bad to say about them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, no, the ass casino has paid off, so uh, <laughs> we respect you for it. <laughs> you know, I but tried. No. Yeah. But, but now we're finally recording this episode about the menu. I know. And the thing is, I, like, love talking about this movie, but I'm also, like, do you feel like – I feel like since I already said stuff, I'm, like, I have this insecurity that you'll remember what I said and you'll be, like, that's not as clever or funny or that's wrong. I have no recollection of what either of us said. <laughs> So okay, perfect. You can rest okay. assured that okay. that is not the case. <laughs> this is just a full, you know, uh, a redo. Uh, we've wiped the slate clean, so to speak. Yeah, I I don't even have good canned jokes that I already <laughs> told once. Like I like if I tell something again, it's because I've arrived to the same joke yeah. twice, not because <laughs> I remember telling it before. Uh, there's this. This Lord. is real. This is a real deep cut. But there's this. Um, what would you just call it? Like a like a story, like a fable, not a fable, but like a like a, a legend in Mormonism that uh, as he was writing, as he was as Joseph Smith was creating the Book of Mormon, he was translating them, and his friend who was watching like the papers, you know, because he was translating. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling the story. He was translating them from the gold plates and then writing it down into you know English from the magical language it was in. And there's these lost pages because at some point someone misplaced the um, the pages and they were like, oh, we can't rewrite those because like 
because Satan would make it so it seems like we got the translation wrong. Like someone would have the original document and they'd be able to be like, hey, you missed this verse that you wrote in the first draft. Why is that? And so it was like always posited as like this, the 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 devil will entrap us. But it really was just a strategy where he's like, shoot, I don't remember what I wrote. And if I like try to rewrite it and it's completely wrong, completely fictionalized in a different way, then I'll be found out. And so that's how I felt with this episode. <laughs> Wait, whatever happened? So what happened with the the actual gold plates? The the Lord took them back to heaven. Oh. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Dang it. Preserved. Preserved for the for the eons of what, posterity. So what, Joseph Smith was worried that what, somebody else would remember better than him and be like this yes this like it would be like in the original. it's like if you wrote a draft of a novel but you lost that draft and you had to start from scratch then someone down the line could bring it up and be like hey i have this original novel transcript and it's oh, different oh if than they what found the pages yeah 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 oh, like if okay. someone had stolen them or mm. taken them he was gotcha. like the devil would they should have put that in under the banner of heaven <laughs> another interesting plot point yeah, just a, a shared insecurity of like, shoot, <laughs> I'm going to be caught if someone's like tracking this pretty well. So if Zencaster has that file on hand, they'll be able to compare <laughs> the stats we give. You never know when people are going to go back and uh, look. <laughs> Although, uh, did, I, I, did I tell you that I recently been canceled on Twitter? So maybe people oh are Oh my gosh, I saw that happen in real time. It was Thoughts wild. <laughs> I've never been canceled before, and I was yeah, shocked. It was – I once wrote uh, – I wrote that, like, blog post making fun of people who were hating on the J-Lo um, halftime show. Like, I put it from the perspective of, like, a pearl-clutching, like, Oh, like a person. satire. Yeah. And I got the most aggressive hate mail from this woman who reached out to me on my private Instagram, my PS You're Wrong Instagram, my email associated with I feel like I remember blog. this. It was so stressful. I was like, <gasps> I was like, I, I don't know how to deal with this criticism, especially since it's the opposite of what I was going for. <laughs> I'm on your side. So it's tough getting hate mail. Uh, and yeah. we're, we're both too thin skinned for it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I feel like I wasn't necessarily offended. I was just like so surprised. Like yeah. I, I wrote, I saw the movie Babylon, which who, which Brad Pitt is in, and I said I had a tweet that was like, Brad Pitt's very good in this movie. Like he should get Oscar nominated oh, for it. No. I understand that we, oh, you know, no. various things with Brad Pitt, but anyways, I thought the tweet was like fairly innocuous. Um. But then all of these people were like, oh my gosh. We're like, Brad Pitt's an abuser. Matthew Huff supports abuse. Like, BuzzFeed fire this, like, pro abuse. Wait, I didn't. I thought you were talking about that, like, pride party you were going to. What pride party? (laughs) Or, like, that concert. And then that guy, like, that guy quote tweeted you. And he was like, why are are gay people so annoying? Oh yes, no, that was a separate thing. No, this, this is this. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to your. You I'm going this. your Twitter. This right was away. there were like 
like dozens and dozens and dozens of retweets, Shut people up. tagging oh my BuzzFeed, gosh. like people that screenshotting so like some sort of legal document that was from like an Angelina Jolie deposition and like screenshotting <laughs> it with this, um, being like the reason why BuzzFeed suffering is because Matthew and his ilk wow. are like supporting abuse. It and was they were like, we're crazy. firing everyone but Matt. <laughs> I know. They were like, we're keeping pro-abuse people. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, my well, gosh. I'm going to dig into all of these like, and spend an hour just liking all your haters' tweets. <laughs> Sending them all like gift baskets. Keep up the good <laughs> yeah. work. Like, That's amazing. I mean, Scary, but amazing. I, I feel like in general, I'm a fairly um, like... You're like woke, man. Yeah, like You're alert like to things. Woke. You know what I mean? Um yeah. And I mean, obviously, I like I'm not like a massive Brad Pitt stan <laughs> by any means. Um, but that then someone was like, "Look, his his um cover photo on Twitter is also Brad Pitt. He's obsessed with Brad Pitt, and it's like <laughs> it's a scene from Ocean's Eleven. But the only reason why I have it up there is because the other actor in it. But then I was like, "Oh shoot, it <laughs> like that is Brad Pitt too." <laughs> I look oh like gosh, some crazy Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt fan. Stan. It's like, how many tweets have I ever tweeted about Brad Pitt? Like, one, two, and yet here we are. Wow. Uh, Gay men derogatory. <laughs> Gay men derogatory. Iconic. I want to like it so bad. I mean, oh like it gosh. if you want. I sent one of the ones that was some that talked about me and my ilk to another friend. And they were like, I'm retweeting this. This is too good. That is so funny. Well, that's wild. I mean, maybe you'll get some heat for praising this movie because Rafe, you know, was like a pro J.K. Rowling uh, person. And here we are talking about his new movie. Yeah, I know. The Menu starring J.K. Rowling apologist Rafe Fiennes. Rafe. Ugh, Voldemort. What a classic. Um, mm. No, but I'm excited to talk about this movie. I feel like, you know... Um, We've had a lot of movies come out in the last few weeks that we could have covered, and you gave me sort of free choice, because <laughs> I was so honored that you let me choose, uh, because usually you've already seen them all. And well, I so, had seen them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I was like, you know, pick whatever, you're busy, you're sick, like whatever you can <laughs> see, here are some options. Um, and you saw the menu, and which I was I happy about. I also think it's a great pick because so many movies that have come out recently, she said, The Fablemans, um, have not done well in theaters. And The yeah. Menu is a fun, fresh horror film that is, you know, doing pretty well at the box office. It's got very good word of mouth. Um, yeah. You know, it's in this slew of fall movies. I would call it horror. Hmm. Okay. Okay, I would lean towards dark comedy. Well, according to Wikipedia, it is a black comedy horror film. Okay, so, okay. So I get first billing, but you're there too. I mean, I think based on the fact that it is, it's like one of the everybody dies movies, right? Oh, you know, spoiler like, alert! Oh my gosh. I mean, I think Maybe you get that episode. from the trailer. <laughs> you know, it's like that's that's the conceit of a horror movie. Is like people get sort of picked off or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's that is something interesting we did mention on our last podcast is that the I think 
on our pop culture roundup, we kind of talk about movie marketing. And I think this movie did a good job where it wasn't just like, here are the big names you need to see and like eat the rich, right? It was more like, what is this movie? It's intriguing what's happening here because it kind of posits it as um, Anya Taylor-Joy is the odd one out and we're not sure exactly why or what's going to happen to her. And so it felt almost like it could go any variety of ways where it's rich people kind of feasting on her, sacrificing her, like some sort of demonic cult type thing. Um, but it all uh, revolves around this uber prestigious restaurant on a private island, $12,000 a head, 12 people per night. Uh, the staff all lives on la- on the island. The island is where they source most of their food. And of course, there's a star chef who who is just the the greatest chef to ever live. And so you meet all the players who are here for this one magical night um, to kind of be bougie and uh, live as rich people do. And um, it's a slow burn of a story where you do kind of meet these characters, get in their shoes, and then things start to go wrong. Yeah. And- <laughs> Everybody dies. <laughs> and boy, did things go wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is sort of like an easy movie to market in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. it is like horror movie, but set at a restaurant on a private island. It's like yeah. everybody know everybody's been to restaurants. I mean, even if <laughs> even if the fanciest restaurant you've been to, you know, is like uh, you know it. a steakhouse in your hometown oh, or yeah. whatever, it's like you you still know the feeling of like getting dressed up, going someplace fancy, and you have seen enough like movies and and read reviews. And you you know you know the world that it's in. Um and so it's really easy to sort of like enter the space. It doesn't feel like something that's um, you know, sort of out of touch for people. <clears throat> and then the horror element is is a lot of fun. And yeah, like you said, you don't really know what's going on. And so there's an intrigue and sort of like you gotta see it to find out what happens. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Rafe Fines plays the chef. Annie Taylor Joy sort of plays the um, the you know like the protagonist, the mm-hmm. person who we are supposed to relate to. She's like the one normal person at this dinner <laughs> full of aristocrats. Um, she is brought by Nicholas Holt, who is like a rich foodie, um, and you sort of are confused as to what their relationship is at the beginning. It sort of um, becomes clear how they are connected as it goes on, but the two of them are dates for it. And this was written um, and directed by people and produced by people associated with succession. So it definitely has that sort of smartness to the dialogue. It has that wit and sort of eat the rich mentality in our famous lost episode before Joseph Smith <laughs> took the yeah. um, the audio recording back to heaven, uh, we were talking about how sometimes in these sometimes in these like eat the rich like bougie satire movies, you're just sort of stuck with the rich people and sort of like yeah. a look how rich like look how bad these rich people are. Look at these bad things they're doing to the poor people, like in you know White Lotus or Succession. But with really this, it's not. fun yeah. because Anya Taylor Joy is sort of the everyman, and also um, you know the the restaurant itself is full of all of these workers who are 
you know, normal people. And you realize that they've sort of drawn the rich to this secluded island to make them sort of pay for their crimes against humanity. So it's much more of like the rich people are the ones squirming rather than the poor people. Yeah, no, that definitely stood out to me on first watch. Like I went and saw this and I was surprised like how delightful I found it. Like it was so fun. And obviously it's dark, but it has this really refreshingly strong POV where it is, you know, it's not trying to take on every element of class and privilege, but it's hyper focused on this food industry and the servers and the served um, allows it to feel kind of um, like there's more connections to be made. But um, it's nice because the these servers, the underdogs are pulling the strings and wreaking havoc and the rich people have to kind of not just continue to be bad, they have to actually acknowledge why they're bad and what's happening to them and kind of struggle through it, Um, which I did appreciate. (laughs) And obviously there's layers of privilege at play. Like, you know, this, this isn't like cook lines who are being yelled at in the McDonald's drive-thru. Like these are still very, you know, Rafin's character is meant to be like the ultimate chef. So he has found the ultimate success and prestige and wealth and power. But the interesting wrinkle is what has it cost him and what has it even given him in the end? And so I found that like a really fresh perspective on these sort of class commentaries we've been getting lately. And um, it is interesting coming from who it is because, like you said, it was originally written by a succession writer who I think you said that he had been on like a honeymoon or something and two people were on it. Two people come up with the idea and one of them was based on this honeymoon fancy restaurant he went to and he got this idea. Um, And then Will Tracy kind of took that idea. It was originally meant to star Emma Stone in 2019. But then like, can we just talk about that for a second? Like what this movie looks like with Emma Stone? Because I I hate it. (laughs) She just, I mean, she's a very talented actress. So I don't want to say like she could not do it, but she's so like perky and bubbly. And I think this movie works so well because Anya Taylor-Joy is just so mysterious looking. Uh And that's the attitude that she has where you don't know, like, is she the good guy? Is she the bad guy? Like it takes, so there's a lot of like mystery in it where I feel like if Emma Stone is in that role, you are like 100% with her and thinking, you know, like there's, it takes an element of the suspense out of it. Yeah. And I was thinking about it too, where it's like, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy's character is obviously someone who's like uh, the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. And also is someone who has to learn to mask and like serve, you know, I, I guess we've already talked about spoilers, but she turns out to be a prostitute that um, Nick Holt uh, hired to come with him because the restaurant doesn't take single tables. Um, and so they're able to kind of sniff out that she's not really one of these upper class crusties. And so they're like, are you one of us or are you going to sit at the table and be served what you deserve? And and I think it works in part because one, yes, she has a very unique energy and she's done these type of roles where it's very like 
serious and kind of sultry and she's always you can feel like she's holding back her winning card for a while until she sees the 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 gameplay um but she's also like newer to the industry and she has struggled maybe a little bit more whereas Emma Stone is so established so such a big star and so like hard to separate from her movies now like she's one of the celebrities that it'd be kind of weird watching her play this not because she couldn't but because the commentary is so like true to life it would feel kind of like eye-rolly to have someone so privileged play in a role that's a little bit more complex maybe than her lived experience um well should we get into the groups of characters that are all coming to the island because there's a lot of them and they're super fun (laughs) um yeah, so the setup is they're on this boat. There's the 12 people who are coming to dinner. Then they get a tour of the island and the different facilities because, you know, a lot of the food is grown there and the chefs live there and whatnot. And then they end up entering this restaurant. And it's fun throughout this whole period because you're just getting like snippets of the conversations of these other people. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't necessarily get like full backstories or explanations as to who they are, um, like laid out in a way that you might in another movie as they're introducing characters. A lot of the information you get about them is just from listening to these like snippets of conversation. And I don't know if it was improvised or if it was scripted or some of both, but they tell you so much about these people with such little, like context it is incredible um well the director like wanted it to feel like yeah you're kind of like when you go to a restaurant and you are eavesdropping you can't hear a whole conversation but then simultaneously everyone's having a full conversation even while you're having your own so they would do rehearsals where it was like they would all come in at the same time sit down and they'd all be kind of improving during the readings because they're filling in the gaps that aren't in the script and then the cam they would just kind of decide which pieces to keep and what you know the camera would swing by and capture so it is nice to feel that sort of authenticity of a restaurant experience where we are meant to follow Anya Taylor-Joy the most but you do still kind of get to flip by these other um, players yeah so my favorite group is that there's a food critic played mm-hmm. by Janet McTeer, who's a Broadway actress. And then her like editor um, is played by Paul Adelstein, who you'd recognize from like Prison Break and some other things. Um, and she is so like self-absorbed she's got her you know notebook she's taking notes on everything she's trying things and scribbling things <laughs> down her and the editor have this great dynamic because he is like sycophantic and anything that she says he agrees with like he'll he'll try yeah. to say something and he'll be like she'll be like mm, i don't know about that and they'll be like oh yeah me neither me neither <laughs> um they she has like wonderful language because she's a writer and so she's you know is the way she describes things is really fun and interesting. But then also like as the dinner starts to devolve and, you know, (laughs) these horrible things are going on around them and the other guests are freaking out. She is convinced that this is sort of some sort of like dinner theater experience. And she keeps being like, this is all for us. Like we're the only actual diners here. Everybody else is an actor. And it's like you, at first you're kind of like, uh, like maybe. And then as you go, you're like, no, this woman is, delusional there's no way that's what's happening and she's just insane Um, well and it's like 
Yeah, like she especially could have been played as like a sort of campy, um, over the top person, but she feels real and her, her like, I don't know, coming to terms with what ends up happening is so fun to watch because she, she has to like face herself in a way, but she never really, I don't know, like, I feel like it could have just been like, ah, sobbing, crying, throwing up, but she kind of accepts it in an interesting way and there's this funny scene where they're sharing a dessert and she's just like okay like let's just let's just drink the wine like there's no getting out of this or talking my way out of it like she's trying Mm -hmm. to sell someone on what she could do for them and they're not biting and she's like you know what fine like I think that was what was fun is all these characters felt so like true to life even if they were over the top at times yeah yeah I mean because everybody's like met I mean, I, I don't know a lot of like food critics, but everybody's met like rich, sort of annoying people, yeah. and they yeah. do a good job of giving the different types of archetypes. Yeah, um, there they're nailing it. Because uh, then you also have three like finance bros, who are probably the most cliche, but but are serviceable here, where they're you know talking about failed marriages and talking about you know Cayman Islands and uh dirty money laundering whatever and and they start to panic because the people who've always protected them the bigger you know fish that they've tied their <laughs> this image is not going well but you know like they they have their like boss and they're like, this guy will protect us. But then it turns out, no, like they're on their own for the first time. They don't have those walls isn't, of like, isn't the boss the proximity. one who ends up dead? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's the getting drowned or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're like, the boss will save us. And then they're yeah. like, look out the window. There's the boss. He's drowning. <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah. never mind. Um, the, <clears throat> the thing with them is like that they don't even really care about, um, the food they're only yeah. there because they know it's an expensive restaurant and they have money and they're like oh well let's just spend the money on this or like yeah. this is what rich people do it's like rich people who buy you know yeah it's like super expensive wines and things it's like well some people understand those and so you can sort of uh understand why they would spend so much money because it is like a hobby or something that they're invested yeah. in but there's lots of people who just buy it because it's the most expensive thing and they yeah. want to appear like they know the difference yeah. um the whole sort of crux of the movie is that ray finds used to or you know has always been this great chef but used to be a chef who you know like really appreciated the art of making food the sort of every man quality of like everybody has to eat um you know you you can you can make something delicious for you know not very much money and sort of over the years he's been warped and the joy of his work has been taken from him and so he's trying to sort of like get revenge by going after the groups of people who like have made cooking miserable and that being like food critics who, you know, rip apart his dishes and make him sort of have to rethink them. And then these, these um, like rich people who come in. Yeah. Finance bros who like don't understand what he's doing. Like don't have no appreciation for the actual work he's put in. Yeah. And And yet represent like who's funding him, who he depends on. Like they call him out. They're like, you don't, this isn't even your restaurant. It's, this guy's restaurant he paid for it and yeah those layers become interesting as he pulls them apart because 
yeah, not only do they not care about the food, but they're the ones who control it. And that's a frustrating thing for an artist. Well, and then also, like, there's another old couple who are played <laughs> by Reed, Bernie, and Judith Light. And they are, like, they've been to the restaurant numerous times. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they skip the tour and go straight to the dinner section. And they, they're sort of like a miserable old couple. Yeah. Um, but the, and, you know, like, he's been having affairs. But the thing that is most frustrating to... Ray finds his character about them is that they don't remember any of the food. At yeah. some point he asks them like, what, like you've been here 10 times, like what were the dishes? And he, the, they can't remember anything. Yeah. So just, yeah, they do a good job of like picking Although that's me at a restaurant, people. honestly, like <laughs> yeah. ask me what I ate. I could not tell you. I walked, but you probably I, wouldn't spend 12 grand. grand well, no, it. I wouldn't, but I walked by today. I was walking to, um, a, like a, a workout class and I walked by the restaurant that we ate at when you were here and I was oh, like yeah. oh I remember that was good and then I was like what did I like like what did we eat and the <laughs> only thing I could remember was the broccoli I was like I know we had like six things but I could not for the life of you for the <laughs> hey, life of me tell you what they you were you got the broccoli so you'd be safe the broccoli was good <laughs> the broccoli was tasty I remember yeah. liking everything do we yeah. get I feel like, did we get like a fake, like a vegetable sushi? Did I make that? Well, up? yeah, it was all vegetable. It was all vegan. Well, I know it was all vegetables. So, I do yeah, remember we that. Got a, we got a watermelon sushi. We got a Dan Dan noodle. Um, and we did uh, dumplings that were like carrot. Oh, yes, they had like corn and corn. Them. Yeah. Okay, yes, this is coming yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because. Um, I felt myself relating to Anya Taylor-Joy when she was like, this is pretentious. This is bullshit. There's a scene where he feeds them a bread plate with no bread. And he's like making some snooty speech about how bread has always been the food of peasants and have-nots. And it's just water and meal. And it's just it's just sustenance. And there's no joy in it. So he's not even going to bother giving them bread. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I want to eat. I want to eat bread. I'm not going to just sit here and like lick the butter off the plate, you know? And yet I am also someone who loves a good food experience and I appreciate a really wonderful meal and the the artistry of some of these higher end restaurants and stuff. So while I was relating to this, I was also like, but it is beautiful. It does look nice. Yeah. I feel like if we are going out to dinner, you're more of the Nicholas Holt and I'm more of Anya Taylor-Joy, <laughs> unfortunately not. for you. No. The, I, I I mean, that is part of the reason why I don't like going out to restaurants. I mean, I love going to restaurants, but I, like why I don't like spending a lot of money on food. It's like three quarters of the way through, she's like, I am still hungry. Like yeah. we're in a restaurant and I am starving. And I feel like that is me. Like you go to these fancy places and it's like, two bites of something it's like i want yeah. like actual food i need like a pizza or something <laughs> i can't just eat three bites of something and be like wow that was tasty like done yeah. for the night <laughs> okay well the last coupling the last table is a sort of has-been actor um who i don't think is even named and his long-suffering assistant who is trying to quit with all her might. She's like, please, this is my last day. This is my last meal. Like, I'm done. And he's just ignoring her. He's constantly name dropping. He's saying that he knows the chef. He's saying that he has some big things coming down the pipeline. Like, I, I found him very fun. They were very, like, uh, you know, a comedic relief within the group um, whenever we swung around to their table. 
And so all of them are just having a good time for the first couple of courses. Well, I feel like the the yeah, the like John Leguizamo actor character, like everybody else who was there, I understood why they were there. I feel like him and his assistant were the one <laughs> duo that I was sort of like, huh. So At one funny. point, Ray Fine says says something like like that he was in a movie that Ray Fine yeah. really hated, and he's sort of like just there for that, which I was like. <laughs> Okay, I guess. But then I couldn't figure out, like, the assistant is stealing money from him. So that, like, is bad. But also she's, like, stealing from the rich. And you No, don't I don't think that's that... related at all. I think it's so – I know. I don't know why she's there, though. She So that was my favorite part. It is true that they don't feel like they deserve it in the same way that others have. But I think the point is they're kind of the last ones we find out why they're there. And they're the last ones to even ask, which is interesting because it's like they they just presume their relevancy in whatever room they go to. But he tells the story about how he finally had a day off. He has one single day off in this miserable life serving people who don't even appreciate or remember his food. And he went to this movie and it just pissed him off so much that he's like, you're here and I'm happy to kill you. But I also think part of it is that he's name dropping to get these reservations. He's there for the closeness to fame and wealth that he's kind of losing. And then the assistant, what's funny is she is just there and she is just kind of this plus one. And she's not the one who's, you know, called out in his tortilla reveals or anything. But at the end, she's just like, why am I here? And he's like, where'd you go to college? And she's like, Brown. And he's like, well, do you have any student loans? And he was like, no. And he's like, you can stay. I think implying that, you know, she would just turn into one of these people yes. because she's so wealthy. She hasn't had to struggle. She She's not like one of the people who was working through college. She just had money to go to a prestigious school. And that's kind of just as, you know what? You're, you're stuck here, I guess. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry, but... Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I like I feel like that was like the one sort of nitpicky thing where I was like, "Huh, okay." Yeah. Uh, like everything else worked so well in that regard and she was the one character that I was like, "Why? Like like can she get on the boat with Anya Taylor-Joy <laughs> at the end?" Um but yeah, so they all arrive. They're sitting there. The first couple courses are like slightly unsettling in weird ways, but like very like normal food um and the uh and the you get these like in between uh the courses these like gorgeous shots that sort of remind you of something you'd see in like master chef or hell's kitchen or whatever of like the course and Mm -hmm. and them sort of explaining what it is um which i thought were really fun ways to break it up and are cool at the beginning because they're describing these you know like intricate dishes and then as the meal goes on and the dishes sort of get weirder um it's funny to watch or like non-existent in some cases to watch them again like describe what they are um but yeah, the like they get they get around that's these tortillas that sort of have secrets on them. Um, they get the the bread plate that has no bread in it. They get something or another that's like a, some kind of soup or something. And the food critic is upset that the um, emulsion has broken, and so then they bring her out this giant like bowl of a broken emulsion. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it was part of the bread plate. It's just a little tiny sample. And she's Oh yes. She has to find something to criticize almost. And so she's like, hmm, this is broken. Like this is ugh. And so then they bring her out a small bowl. And then later in the movie they bring her out a larger bowl. And that's something I appreciated was this attention to detail and and the bit where like even with these shots of the food. It was like, this is part of what we're making fun of. Like the foodie culture is just so pretentious and overwrought that it's just funny any angle you look at it from. And yeah, that's also where you start to realize like the servers are unsettled by Anya Taylor-Joy's presence and they it leads to this... Um, confrontation in the bathroom where the chef is like why are you here and she's like can you leave me alone dude I'm in the bathroom and then things go very wrong very fast and uh the sous chef uh commits suicide on the floor so <laughs> plot yeah, I was very taken aback when yeah. that happened yeah I was like like it was super unsettling because the sous chef like comes out and you can tell he's like nervous kind of and Ray finds is like asking him questions and at a certain and I was like what is happening here and then he just like kills himself yeah and I was so um yeah I was so just startled because it seems like so a like against the theme, like everything that's happened up till that point yeah. um, that I was sort of with the, like, is this a dinner theater kind of crew mm. for a bit? Because I was like, well, he can't like, why would this man have just killed himself? Like, what does like, why? I'm not happy. He was like, this man has worked hard. He's the best there is, but he's still not ever going to be as good as me. He's still not going to ever have his own restaurant like this. Like he's, this is all he's wanted, all he's done, all he's worked for, and he's gotten here, but he can't go any further. And then he's like, and this chef's life is just so isolating, so sad, so miserable. You're constantly working for other people. You never have time for yourself. And it's never like even worth it really because you don't get money. You don't get the uh, prestige unless you do reach a certain, you know, one percenter level. And he's like, are you happy? And he's like, no. And then he he just shoots himself, which is – it was very surprising. But I I honestly – that's when I was like, oh, I like trust this commentary almost. Like it isn't – it isn't just that they go straight for, you know, ripping some ladies – some rich lady apart or anything. It was like looking at the – I don't want to say st systemic issues when it comes to like the food scene, but more just the layers of – what we are willing to put ourselves through in this like rat race hustle to get to the top and how you look back and it's like, was this even worth it? Like, was this struggle like worth it? Am I even happy? And they, you, you realize that they just aren't. And that's kind of why he's decided, you know what, I'm going to kill everyone I hate, but I'm also going to just kill myself and save my crew from ever having to deal with this again. Yeah. The, um, I think it is like a, a statement on like the broader like arts fields of yeah. like you have these things that you love that you want that you're trying to do but in order to do them like in this capitalist society you end up having to make them like 
your mm-hmm. worst nightmare and these terrible versions of them and that suck all the joy out. And then you get to a point where it's like you're technically successful, but it's like not even fun anymore. Yeah. Um, I was also confused, though, like my other I feel like sticking point for why this movie like didn't necessarily work at like 100 percent for mm-hmm. me was why all of these other um like workers are killing themselves because right. the whole because like the you you start to realize like okay there's like they're going to sort of like kill these rich people the rich people aren't getting off the island but then i can't because I, I saw this movie back in september yeah. <laughs> um it's like i can't remember exactly when it is in the in the it's thing that they, early on they that they them. also tell you that like your that they're all going to yeah. die too like everybody on the island is going to die and I was like, like, wh- how did, like, how did they get all of these workers to sign up for this? Yeah. Like, sure, you <clears throat> could get a couple sort of like, kind of <laughs> bizarre, like sycophantic people, like the Hong Cha character who's like the maitre d, or the guy who kills himself. It's like I can account for like a couple of these people <laughs> being like loony enough to like buy into this strange, like we're gonna bring all these people here and kill them and kill ourselves too. But the fact that there's like. 40 people who are living and working on this island presumably for like quite some time now because this yeah. restaurant because they're having to grow things and this restaurant is like been operational and like one everybody has decided sure we're down to die and two the fact that like nobody was approached at some point about like hey i think we're gonna all kill ourselves and they were like yeah no i'm gonna go to the police with this like that no <laughs> I was like, well, like, I think I want to know the logistics of the people working here. And it never really gave that to us. Well, I think it did because in the beginning she's giving the tour and she's like, we live here. We rise and we do this. Like it, it's almost like a cult. Like it's a cult of personality well, around definitely the chef. Is. And so there's this idea that there is this obsession with him, but also with this world they're a part of. And then the other interesting choice is that, there's this moment where um, it's revealed that uh, the chef sexually harassed and then assaulted one of the other oh, yeah. chefs, and she gets to stab him in the balls, and the men are given a head start to try and escape the island because it's like men constantly get away with things. And she's allowed to then have this conversation over dessert with the girls and she's like actually it was my idea that that we all die because and she doesn't necessarily say why but I think it's like there's this weird ownership of it that makes it interesting because it's like it isn't just the cult leader being like I want to kill you it's more that they've all realize they've all bought into this idea that there's no more joy left in the one thing they cared about that they gave their whole lives to that they're willing to just live on an island to serve people 24 7 that they're just like you know what i don't have any joy so why wouldn't i just die with this like why not go out with a bang almost which does it work in a real a realistic sense like no hopefully you're right that someone would say no thanks and they'd go and be you know be able to stop it but I think I that's think the it, reasoning they give. I think if they wanted it to be more like cultish and to sort of, because the ultimate like lesson of the movie is not, oh, you should kill a bunch of people and kill yourself. Right. Like the Anya Taylor Joy's character is like, you can like find pleasure in sort of simple things. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to, 
like you don't have to buy into this system necessarily if you don't want to um like there's joy in other like quieter things that you can do it's this like drive and obsession with success that is the thing that ultimately like ruins the things that you love so i wish that they had like maybe pounded that home a little bit more Mm -hmm. on the Mm -hmm. workers and been like these people also have a warped mind that's been warped by consumerism and such because i felt like yeah that they their motivations were sort of a little lacking free i mean it didn't ruin the movie at all but i feel like the the workers and then also the the assistant lady were the two things where I was like I, like I feel like like one or two like f- like fine tunings would have like yeah made both of those storylines work completely as well as the rest of the movie did yeah um and I just wanted it to be like slightly better yeah because I'll say that my the one thing that gave me pause was that moment where. You know, the chef is trying to embrace um, Margot, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, and, like, invite her to be one of them. And so he sends her on an errand. And and it ends up being this sort of fight to the death with the hostess, with the assistant. Um, and she's great in it. Like, uh, she's really watchable. But it was weird that that she was – that her motivation, you know, as she laid dying once Anya Taylor-Joy got the kill shot – um, or stab was oh I, he won't replace me. It's like is it really just like female jealousy here? Like I didn't understand what she was so unsettled by with Margot's presence, and I didn't understand why she wanted to like kill her just because she didn't like that the chef was giving her attention. And I don't know, it it didn't feel like a natural character note for someone who was so in control the rest of the movie, and also just felt kind of like sexist i thought maybe it was sort of all about control like that she's such a control freak the entire time that this sort of like variable that Mm. the chef seems to be like allowing to do things and Mm. hasn't like put out immediately is frustrating her and she's like if he won't get rid of her then i'll get rid of her because we need to get back on track kind Mm. of a thing um but yeah no i also felt like that was a little bit weird because then because then too then we move into this section where it's like anya taylor joy calls the coast guard while she's at the house fighting hong chow and then the coast guard comes but then you realize that the coast guard (laughs) is what's actually just like another chef the entire time and i was (laughs) like was this whole thing planned or like it was must he have always just been gonna... a backup plan, right? Like a right, or I was like, was he always gonna send somebody, or like was was someone right. always gonna get access to the Coast Guard thing, right. and then he just happened to send Anya Taylor Joy because, like, you know, mm. she was. But but if it hadn't have been her, you know, somebody else would have like been allowed to kind of escape and get there. Yeah, it seems sort of like I read it like it was a safety precaution, like they were on yeah. call. And then he was testing her to see what she if she would side with him, and he yeah. didn't. And so he's like, "You're gonna die." But that's where it becomes a sort of cat and mouse. Like she's gonna outsmart him, and she realizes from looking through his few photographs in his joyless room that the one time he was smiling was when he was just like best line cook or whatever making burgers. And so she sort of baits him into this um, conversation where she's like, "You." You can't, you know, it's the worst part of this whole night. It's not that I'm going to die. It's that I'm still hungry and all I want is a good burger. And it's like, it's interesting that it's that easy 
to kind of get him. <laughs> but it also is, I think, a really powerful visual where it's like, yeah, why are we why are we pretending this isn't about food anymore? Like he gave this whole speech about how you can't eat, don't eat. You have to savor, you have to taste, you have to absorb, but don't just eat. And it's like, well, why not? Like why not just go back to basics and just like let this be a good, fun, memorable time. But that wasn't enough for him to want to save everyone. That was just, you know what? She can she can leave. <laughs> she can walk off. Well, it was I felt like it was less of like she had tricked him and more of sort of like she rec- like a game recognizes game kind of a thing mm. where she's like I'm like I'm hungry. You're supposed to be this great chef. Like if you're like if you can do it for me. And then when he does and it's good, she's sort of like Okay, like, I see who you are. Like, I understand. Right. Like, we get each other. Um, Like, now I want this to go. Like, let me go. And he's sort of like, yeah. Like, I was like okay, you got like, me there. <laughs> like, kind of like, I like you, like, I think she's proving to him that, like, she sort of knows the lesson that he's yeah. trying to teach everybody else. And so she's, so he's like, she doesn't need to learn the lesson. She's fine. Yeah. Um, like, we can let her out of move on to desserts (laughs) right i sort of wish though like in the scene um i mean as like a big horror fan i like when a horror movie kills people off along the way and we do like kill certain people you know like sort of superfluous characters but i sort of wish that in that sequence where the men are all running and then they all get brought back that they that some of those people had been killed and we'd sort of like killed some people off but I think that's the, the thing is they're not like – they're not psychopaths. They're not joying in murdering someone like with their bare hands. I think it was just like I like mean, they're saying they it's of. a full – it's a full menu. It's a full like it's all meant to work together. The The end result isn't as important as the journey. Yeah, I I get that. Because they do convince Nick Holt to kill himself, which is honestly yes. hilarious. A hilarious scene where you realize he can't cook and they just eviscerate him for thinking he has any any influence or uh interesting perspective in the food world. And so he does wander off and basically it's implied that uh the chef tells him to kill himself and he and he does right away. Yeah. Um but other than that, if they became like slashers and were like, yeah, slit their throats and stuff, then it loses the power of the the message that they're trying to get across. Mm-hmm. At least for me. <laughs> but I can yeah. see why it's like it slows down in the middle part. Yeah, I mean, I guess like I think that. Like, like if you're thinking, okay, well, each of these people needs to learn their less, like needs to learn the full lesson, then yeah, you want them all alive till the end. But I was like, I think the movie would have been just as effective if you had like killed off a couple of the, it, the like bros. investment banker yeah. bros or the like husband who gets his finger chopped <laughs> off and like been left sort of with a smaller crew at the end. Um or dispatched with people in other ways that sort of were, you know, uh, somehow thematically related to what their, you know, issue but see, was. see, that um, was why I loved the ending was like, 
there was sort of this quiet acceptance. Like they allowed them to put the marshmallow, you know, oh, yeah. cakes over him. They allowed them to put the chocolate crowns and they listened to him speak about it. Whereas if they just killed off the bro in the woods, then that guy dies without knowing. Like, yes, he knows he's a target and whatever, but at least this allowed them some sort of like closure, which I wanted to be clear to our listeners that I don't I don't support mass murder. Um, I just thought this was a really interesting film and I think it worked because everyone ended up in this place where they got the big picture. Um, that's not what I heard, Shelby. I heard that you actively support <laughs> luring people to islands and killing them in s'mores <laughs> costumes. I will neither confirm nor deny what I would do if Elon Musk and I Jeff Bezos love ended up. <laughs> Brad Pitt, you support abusers. And- yeah. <laughs> all in all, I was like, you know, this has like 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has like, or no, 89% Rotten Tomatoes, 79% Metacritic. It like did a fair opening like financially, like it's not it's not struggling to find an audience. I think it probably got as much attention and praise as it deserved. I enjoyed it and I I was a little surprised how much I enjoyed it, but I think everyone's doing a good job. It's a funny and fresh take on a sort of almost oversaturated market and um yeah, I think it was good. I think when we look back at this year, I feel like this is going to be one of the, like, like historically, not like you and I. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is going to be one of the standout movies of the year because mm. it it's done really well. And I feel like it's still, er- like, this is a movie that didn't come to cinemas, I think, with a lot of expectations. Right. Um, like, you know, it's not a sequel. It's original property. It has famous people, but not, like, famous, famous people. Yeah. Um, and I think this is something that, like word of mouth is going to keep building. It's going to do well when it comes out on streaming. People are going to watch it on airplanes. Like it's going to be a, a like a classic sort of, I think of this genre. Yeah. Um, it's one that you can like sit and just think about. Yeah. It feels could, so niche, but then it's also like, Ooh. It's and I think tasty. between like this and Triangle of Sadness and Parasite, mm. like we're going to get more of these sort of and succession. Like I think people like and are hungry for <laughs> this like eat the rich sort of mm. attitude. Yeah. And there's so many different spaces you could see that where I could see people, you know, pitching things is like, OK, this it's like the menu, but it's set, you know, yeah. a, what a, um, like a roller. Well, no, that doesn't make any sense. But, you know, it's like. <laughs> It's like the menu, but it's about. Uh, but it's at like an investment conference, yeah. <laughs> or it's like the menu, but it's about it's fashion, at the or yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. It's like the menu, but it's on uh, George Clooney's Lake Como house. <laughs> yes, it's, well, I mean, in Knives Out, I saw a tweet oh, that yeah. was like that was like Knives Out and White Lotus are in a race to see who can get to the ski lodge first, <laughs> and I was like, that that is a great theme for either of yeah, those yeah. franchises. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's too bad everyone dies in this because um, he could have become a great serial killer that I would have watched every single movie in. So Yeah, I was sort of thinking about like sequel potential. Um, <laughs> no, no. I'm well, joking. No, and I don't think you can really – like I don't think there's, there's any opening for it. Um, I love a standalone. But yeah, I was like this 
I mean, I love a horror franchise, but I don't think that there's any way that you can do anything with this. I mean, and Anya Taylor Joy is great, but she's also, you know, like booked and busy. So yeah, yeah, I think this was a she's nice got the Super Mario movie coming out under two hours, good vibes, fun discussion afterwards type of movie. I don't think it'll be like a contender in any Oscar races by any means, but I think it was just like good. It's pleasant. I mean, I've heard people say that they think that Ray Fiennes would be a good best supporting actor nominee, especially since hmm. that category is really weak this year. Yeah. I don't necessarily. I don't. I think as of now, that's not Maybe likely like to best happen. Best original screenplay, but there's so many this year. Yeah, yeah. Best original screenplay is the tougher category this year. There's always one category that's like weaker and the other that's not yeah. and adapted is much weaker this year than original. Yeah. But um but but the thing that I think the thing is though, like so many of these big move like the Oscar movies have done so poorly at the box mm-hmm. office. And not that that necessarily matters always, but I do feel like that some of these movies that everybody has kind of been like holding as a placeholders from the um, festivals early in the fall that didn't do well. I think some of them are going to start losing steam and I wouldn't be surprised if something like the menu um, or even, you know, like Top Gun or Elvis, Mm. like these movies that did better in theaters kind of like are able to, um, build up a little more steam because it's like, well, people have seen them and people yeah. are talking <laughs> about them and they did make money in a way that something like the Fablemans like has no cultural touchstone at yeah. all. Um, where like the menu, like if you're, if you're an Oscar voter and you're with your family over Christmas, it's like, you're going to be talking about the menu. You're not going to be talking about she said, unfortunately, yeah. as much as yeah. I love she said. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting so, to see how we'll this see. year. So plays I think out. it's a long shot, but I but I do feel like you know, given the right situation, it could creep up more than we think. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but okay. Well, we get I to continue like... the eat the rich discussion with next week's White Lotus episode, so... right? Or maybe the rich will be eating the poor. Yeah. As, as is how <laughs> yeah. White Lotus usually works. <laughs> True, uh, but I'm looking forward to that. Yes, yes, and then. Yeah, and then we have the then then the award season is is upon us, and you know, starting with Avatar. Oscar, <laughs> yes, Avatar too. Uh, I'm seeing that next Monday. Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. I'm seeing that next Monday, so I'll let you know. Oh, okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, but okay. Well, thank you all for listening to our episode. If anyone finds the secret lost episode, let us know. Um, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>